0: Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill, and this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So
1: welcome to episode 182.
0: Welcome back, everybody. How are you?
1: Sally Oh Jen let me let me ask you if this is something that you do as well I have a tendency a lot. <laughs> Do you just a ever lot s- in the shower yeah No okay <laughs> Do you just ever find yourself just like sitting and crying and you're like I don't know yeah. what this is but I do know what it's about it's about all the things Yeah <laughs> um, I okay I have a tendency in my life to Choose to do the most stressful things both all at once and at the exact wrong times. Yes. I feel like you also. I mean, I just yes. yeah. Like I'm just thinking of like the month that you like started a new job and got divorced all at once. Yeah, that was a wild, that was a wild ride. That was a wild ride <laughs> during a pandemic. During a pandemic. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, because this month, like we so we just for some reason put an offer on a house. Uh, we Ben is like, I'm I'm about like it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm like about probably about to start a new job. Ben is starting a new job, plus, he's up for tenure. Plus, we've just had so much crazy stuff going on the last month. Um, so tell me, why am I doing
0: this to myself? <laughs> Sometimes it's just unavoidable. It's not that you're doing it, it's just that everything just happens to be. Um, happening at the same time. Sometimes you just got to burn everything to the ground, you know? That's right. And and sometimes I feel like it's better to have all the things happen at once to make you really stressed out because then it's like, if I'm going to be stressed out anyway, I might as well just get it all done. And then have a relaxing – next week or whatever <laughs>
1: will that year. happen i don't know <laughs> no Jen, come on. <laughs> um well i just got back um i was gone for a whole week i know my stress i was gone for a whole week i went to um purdue university where i went to undergrad and they invited me back to this thing called the executive and residence program and so I basically, for an entire week, talked to students and, uh, you know, just gave them all my wisdom that I had to offer.
0: <laughs> I you molded like,
1: young minds. For
0: Did you for do hope. a real, like, Michelle Pfeiffer and dangerous mind? Like, did you turn the chair around and sit on it backwards and really give it to them? Yeah, I, I wore – Did you do one uh, of those? <laughs> I wore a black leather jacket. Okay, and cool. And I brought
1: Coolio with me and they were like, who's Coolio? And I was like, never mind, you
0: kids. Did you take like a soda <laughs> bottle off somebody's desk and like take a swig from it and then not give it back? And then smashed it and was yeah. like, come <laughs> at me. <laughs> Yeah, youths. <laughs> did you close a book like really loudly
1: make the yes. whole room pay attention? And they were like, oh, that's my Kindle.
0: <laughs> did you – oh, Captain, my Captain. Anyone I was while up,
1: you were there? I was up on so many desks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Good. God. I, I did have a girl. I was – I can't remember what – I was explaining how when I was a freshman – we had to like go down to the computer lab in order to email because no, but there was yeah. like one, I mean, no, no phones with computers, no internet, none of that, like no, like Wi-Fi, like none of that. And she like, so we're talking about kind of like stuff that or she's like, Oh man, my parents love to like, tell me how stuff was. She goes, actually, do you want to know what I just found out? And I was like, what? And she was like, you know, that actor Mark Wahlberg do you know that also he used known
0: as Marky Mark.
1: To, that was, she was like, did you know that he used to be in a
0: band?
1: What? <laughs> and she was like, he used to be, let me look it up, Marky Mark. And I was like, oh yeah, in the Funky Bunch. <laughs> and then I proceeded to sing all of Good Vibrations and her oh jaw God. was like on the floor. I was like, oh, you sweet pea. And the I best a- the thing that- Every student said when I talked to them was, I would say, would say, oh, when did you graduate? And then I would tell them and they would say, oh, that was before I was born.
0: Oh my God. That's so painful.
1: And that happened over and over and over again. Oh God. <laughs>
0: it's awful.
1: Every student that like I had lunch with, whoever was with us would be like, oh, is this your son? I'd be like, no. <laughs> no.
0: Oh my God. They were all born in like the 2000s. Yes. Yeah. Ah. (sighs) Ouch. That's painful. It was painful. (laughs) Oh man. It's a lot. So, how are you? I've missed you. I'm good. I missed you in uh, dance this morning. I know. I was yeah. I was putting in an offer in a house, baby. I know that's way more important. I was wheeling than, and dealing. I couldn't be shaking you know, my derriere. Shaking your butt. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm good. Nothing like too uh, too crazy to report. It's been a uh, you know, got Ruth's stomach situation under control. Oh my god. Knock on god. <laughs> You're like You're so not getting good. anything new ever. Yeah, again. no, no, she's eating a bland <laughs> diet of rice, mm-hmm. white rice for the rest of her life. She fucking loves it. She's great. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jen, that story. I know. Oof, oof. <laughs> I know what's so funny is like she hasn't been able to. I've had her on a diet even before that happened because like just giving her less food because she got so chunky that like she couldn't jump on the bed, which I love because I don't want my dog on my bed. Yeah, and um, so then just this morning she was like, I like heard a run and a jump, and then I look up and she's looking at me like, "That's right, motherfucker." I'm back. <laughs> I think between like the diet and then like being sick for a whole, uh-huh. now she's like, you know, thin, agile, she's sleeping here, sleeping there, jumping on this. And now we got a whole new set of problems. I know. I was going to say. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Dude. Should we get into some quickies? I say yes.
1: Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, I think I'm first. Okay. Okay, so my quickie comes from an article in the New York Times by Jesus Jimenez and from an article in The Smoking Gun. So last January, two women, 29-year-old Sarah Franks and 27-year-old Caitlin Donovan of Clearwater, Florida, were both charged with felony burglary. According to arrest reports, the man was standing on his balcony when the women arrived at his apartment complex Just before 3 a.m. on Monday, the women began arguing with the man and um, Sarah threw a container of glitter at him, striking him in the upper torso and the head, according to the arrest uh, affidavit. She then climbed over the balcony railing, entered his apartment, threw more glitter at him, and then she unlocked the door to let Caitlin in. And then once inside the apartment, Caitlin also began throwing (laughs) Containers of glitter, which I'm just like, how much glitter? Why do they have so many glitter? How much glitter did they have? No idea. No idea. So um, and then as they were leaving the apartment, uh, Sarah kicked a window until it broke. um, And that's all allegedly according to the arrest affidavit. So the women fled the apartment complex, but then the man gave their names because apparently he knew them. And they found Sarah's vehicle at an address that was listed for her and Caitlin less than two miles away. And they said the arrest warrant said the vehicle was still warm to the touch. And the police said they found glitter inside the vehicle. So they they just follow the trail of sparkles. Right? I'm like you cannot get that shit out. Like if you've ever even been near glitter. You have
0: glitter in your hair for like the next Month, right? Um, I mean, honestly, that's like, yeah, it's that's actually the perfect weapon, you know? If you just really don't want to hurt somebody, but you really want to stick it to them, like, why are we not all just keeping pocketfuls of glitter to just shove in people's face?
1: Right? It's the most annoying crime because it really doesn't hurt anything, but it's going to be all in his carpet and on his on everything, right? Oh, yeah. So, um so they were both arrested and charged with felony burglary. Sarah was also charged with a misdemeanor criminal mischief for t- kicking in the window. Um they were booked into that jail. And, cool. <laughs> and not probably not. And released on $75,000 bond each. Um
0: $75,000? So
1: yeah. Yes. Ooh. Yes. That's high. It is high, but I for think for like do glitter and yes. Well, it was burglary, so I mean, oh, I, you sure. know, when yeah. they charge them, it's like
0: yeah, it's yeah, always
1: the highest thing. Um, so at the time, this was in January of last year. So according to like the arrest, there was like they are no, they had no idea why they had done this. Um, But then in April of 2022, it was reported that all of the charges were dropped where they were calling them at that time, the glitter twins. And in the court filings, it said that the facts and circumstances revealed do not warrant prosecution at this time. So the smoking gun interviewed one of the women, Sarah, about why they had done this. Um, And she told them that she and Caitlin are married to each other and that the two were having a quote, casual sexual relationship with the man. And they all worked as a waiter at a Clearwater restaurant. Um, And Sarah said, It's like TJ Fridays. Oh, I mean, 100%. And I'm like, oh, as soon as they say they worked at a restaurant, it's like, oh, this all of this somehow makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) It somehow makes sense. Because if you have ever worked in a restaurant, it is like the most- just everybody is sleeping with everybody. I mean, look at Vanderpump Rules, you know? It's yeah. like that kind of <laughs> like, thing. Just- <laughs> look at you! <laughs> you! are welcome, Jen. I thought I would throw that in just for you. Warms
0: oh, um, my heart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they said that their three-way type thing, which is what they called it, um, was over before the glitter attacked, but they did not say what prompted them to go to his place and bomb him with glitter in the first place. But huh. like, that's such a funny, <laughs> just a, such a funny thing I thought crime. you were going to
0: say the smoking gun was meh, <laughs> which <laughs> could have also been involved. Could as, could as, uh, they said that
1: there was like I don't no so indication yeah. at the time that um, one of the women, Sarah, was under the influence of alcohol drugs, although the other woman may have been drinking
0: before the break-in, <laughs> so. I'm like, may
1: have been? It was 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: oh, I can Monday. totally see being drunk at 3 o'clock in the morning and giggling about how funny it would be to like go throw glitter on somebody. You know I mean, what I mean? Yes. But they took it to a whole nother level. Like, I'm sure they thought that was going to be so fucking funny. Yeah. And then it, yeah. And it, it just blew flush. up in their face. Yeah.
1: Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and his face. So, yeah. um, sorry, so that's my quickie.
0: That's so a good fun, one. Dumb wow. Story. I love it.
1: <laughs> so,
0: you know, don't get in a be careful when you get into a three way type of sitch. So, my quickie this week is a little different. It's actually an article for the New York Times written by Gina Torellis. Um, and it is a um, look at us, highbrow this week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a guide to modern dating terms because you, oh. you haven't dated in a very long time. Yes. I, you know, dating. I guess like for the last couple of years, Um, but so I'm learning all of these things. I still don't know what some of these terms mean, and I was wondering if you might know what some of these. So I'm going to actually quiz you on what the term means, and then I'll tell you what it actually does. Okay. Okay. So the first one is breadcrumbing. Do you know what that means? What breadcrumbing is? It's okay, kind of self-explanatory. I would
1: think that it's like where you're just like every once in a while sending a text or giving like little bits of yourself just to string someone along.
0: Yes. It's when someone consistently checks in with the romantic prospects, dangling the possibility of a date and keeps them interested, mm-hmm. but never follows through. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. This is when I didn't know what it's called. This um, It's called cobwebbing. Do you know what this, that is? No. Uh, is it – Take a guess. Okay. Is
1: it where you are – Oh, God. All I can think of is like getting to know all the people's – like friending people's friends to
0: like get within their web of That people? is a really good guess, but so wrong. You're so wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> You really got my hopes up. <laughs> Sorry, really, no, that's <laughs> a really good guess. No, so uh, cobwebbing is actually it says this act of self-love refers to purging any mementos from previous relationships, like old sweaters, text threads, or photos, in an uh-huh. effort to move on. Holding on to old phone numbers and pictures, um, they say it keeps someone from being fully present and invested in their dating journey. I am I am definitely a cobwebber. Like if You're I'm, like, done, get I'm done, I'm done. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to see – yeah, I don't want to look at your profile. I don't want to see – I like, I just – it's because I need to move on. Like, I'm not going to torture myself by looking at pictures of the past. You know what I mean? It's just like – and I don't want to, like, mementos laying around to make me feel sad. Like, if it didn't work out, then, like, it didn't work out, and I don't want to be constantly reminded of that sadness. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So why it's do you let your been... kids still hang out? I know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to compliment. No, I mean, that's different. Like, I, no, there, no, I have I've pictures just... of my ex-husband in the house because that's my children's dad. Oh, yes, them. of course. No. But, I... like, I don't, like, you know what I mean? It's just no. for me, I don't want to. You're not, like, following the
1: people on Instagram. Like, I just think that that all is very weird. Especially, you're, like, if you're not actually friends like if you're friends, maybe that's like if you're genuine yeah. friends with someone afterwards.
0: Yeah. But like if it's someone I'm you dated. Be, I'm happy to be friends with somebody if it's genuine and authentic, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I'm um, with you. I think get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Get rid of all of it. Cuffing. Do you know what that you've heard of cuffing, right? Is that I like, didn't actually like, know what cuffing was for a long time when people talk about cuffing season.
1: You're like getting a getting a girl, getting like you're locking someone down.
0: Yes. So it's it's from the word handcuffed, the act of getting tied down to one partner. So they always say that the colder seasons are – the cold season is cuffing season because that's when like people want to like –
1: Snuggle up. Snuggle up and get in a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Cyber flashing. I mean, is that like sending a dick pic like out of the blue?
0: Yeah, so it's the act of sending unwanted sexual images to another person through digital means such as a dating app or social media platform, but also via text or another file sharing service like AirDrop. Like remember we had that one story about the guy that airdropped a picture of his dick to like everybody on the plane? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, he said oh. he flashed them real bad.
0: You know, that <laughs> is something that I actually – have not, like, I've like, not gotten wood. That's yeah. not never been a thing for me. Like, I'm just not dick pickable, you know. <laughs> You're, Jen, guys you guys just do want to send me pictures of you. Yes. This is not an invitation, please. Don't. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, everybody, everybody you heard it here first. I'm, I'm, I'm just not dick pickable. It's just something I don't know. I think it's probably something for like younger people, you know. I think guys my age aren't really doing that, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're more except, like, I they're yeah. like, I have a. I have like a, you know, executive level job. Like I'm not going <laughs> to send right. some random stranger my dick pic that she can then screenshot and share with my workplace. Like, right. I think people are thinking more of the consequences of doing that. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's a good one. Cookie jarring. Um, is that just like holding on to a bunch of people for when you when you want to sleep with them? I'm just thinking Um, of of. keeping like
0: sweet things for yourself. Kind of, yeah. So it's when a person seeks a relationship with someone else as a backup plan in the same way Mm -hmm. that people might reach for a cookie when they want an instant treat. Someone who is cookie jarring pursues their backup person when the one that they actually want isn't available or has rejected them. Yeesh. Yeah. It's hard out there, man. Yeah. Um, this one's easy. Uh the three flags, green, red, and beige. I think I referred to it as a yellow flag last week, but it's basically like that's kind of self explanatory You know what that means, right? Okay. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. Gaslighting. Right. We all know what gaslighting is. Okay. Ghosting. We all know what ghosting is. That kind of goes without saying. Love bombing.
1: I mean, yeah, that's like where someone just gives you, it's like, you're the best thing ever. I can't live without you. You're so amazing. Let's snuggle. Let's do all the things like right at the beginning of a relationship to yeah. make you feel, get all those endorphins and be like, oh my God, this person really cares about me, but they're just doing it to like it's get you. It's a trap.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, a trick trap. and it's a trap and it's dirty.
1: <laughs> it's so dirty. <laughs> okay, this is a good one orbiting. Um, is it just like somebody who's just like always kind of around, but not ever like taking the dive to like ask you out?
0: Um, this is someone who, um, has cut off communication with the person or they have made it clear that they don't want to have a relationship with you, but they keep interacting with you on social media by like looking at your stories or liking, Uh um, so I this think so that's probably
1: so frequent, like so common. Oh,
0: it is. Okay, so I'm not going to blow up the uh, name of the person who this actually just this morning I had a conversation with a friend and I've seen these messages, like, because she's like, I don't get it. Like, this guy that doesn't mm. want to be with her, this guy like sends her messages and some of them are like, they. St- totally sound like he's interested yeah. and he's been messaging her a lot lately and then just today he posted a picture of him and his new girlfriend and it sent her into a tizzy and like and I totally get that I totally understand why that's frustrating but that is why like you know for me like orbiting there's orbiters everywhere like there are Mm -hmm. so many guys that like I've went on a date with and I never talked to them again but then for some reason they keep talking to me. You know what I mean? yeah, Or yeah, just yeah. saying, hi, 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 hi. And it's like, what? Like, what do you actually want to say to yeah. me? Like, yeah. if you want to say something, then say it. And so I just made a point to just for my own mental sanity and clarity is unless you come to me clearly and mm-hmm. say exactly what you want to say, all of that means nothing to me. And I refuse to read into it. Yes. It's like, all that tells me is that you don't value me enough to give me an honest conversation.
1: I so, mean, Jen, yeah.
0: that is so smart and healthy.
1: And yeah, yes. like, it's exactly right. It's like, I think that traditionally as women we're because especially as somebody who like you say what you mean and when you talk to someone and tell them like like you're not going to tell somebody you're interested in them or that you like them if that's not the case like you're just going to say ah, no I'm it's I'm not feeling it right but for so many people they just keep I don't know they just keep staying around and they keep like throwing things out at you just to keep you on the chain just a little bit. And it's more of a game, it seems yes. like. Yes.
0: And I, it's just like I don't want to play – I refuse to play games with anybody. Yeah. And I'm not going to spend my time trying to figure out what this means. And if you genuinely like me or if you genuinely want to have a conversation with me or talk to me or if you're trying to just string me along or keep me interested in you, I'm not going to spend my time trying to figure that out yeah. until you can say – to me like exactly what you want to say clearly and concisely. I just assumed that you don't give a shit about me. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. that, yeah. you know? So, um, that's, so for all you orbiters out there. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to talk to somebody, fucking say something. And if you don't, then just stop. Yeah. Like, I just out. don't. There, yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, stop with yeah. the like, s- like, um, sneaky likes and just to be like, Hey, I'm still here, I'm still out here, remember me, think about me. Like, it's yeah. just an ego, it's like an ego thing, like, people yeah. just need that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, there are some people that you know, I've like, I would have been happy to have had conversations with or talked to, but it all the like just poking and then not saying anything is just like you know, just makes me look at them differently. You know yes. what I mean? So yeah. it's like that, – And that is why the person that I'm with right now won me over with his clear communication from the jump. <laughs> it was like from day one, yes. clear, concise communication. And I was yes. like, perfect. Love and it. And like no games. Love, just love like, that. hey, this is where I'm at. Yes. This is how
1: I feel. This is what I can offer. Like all of the things like very open and like honest, like which is yeah. just so refreshing. It's like, do you want- – like, if you want to know the real secret to a woman's heart, <laughs> it's like...
0: It's be commun- honest
1: and upfront and communicate.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh. I, it's that simple. It is that simple. I mean, Just I've always said they like- honest
1: communication. Like Ben, I think that was the first, and, and this is like amazing because this was like when he was 23, but he was like the first guy that I've met that I'm like, there were no games. He was like 100% like, I really like you. want, I think we should give this a shot. And like, was not, there was like no pretense. And he's always just been upfront and honest about and very easy to communicate with. And that is like, so attractive, <laughs> It really truly it really is. is. It just makes life so much better. Oh, so much yeah, easier.
0: We went on a double date last night and um Jim's friends were asking, like, so why did uh so what what was your first date like? And why were you interested in Jim? <laughs> like, yeah. And Jim has a really amazing quality. But they're like, well, what when you over? And I was like, honestly, it was that after the date, he like he continued to text me even when I got home and was just very clearly like, I really like you. Yeah. And, and then he continued to text me all week long. And, and, and not, in like way, not in, a in like, way, a, like a crazy love bomby way, but just in like a, I'm a person, okay. you're a person. <laughs> I like spending time with you. I like you. And then- yeah. And then just he's never stopped. I've never had to go days without speaking to him. I've never like had to sit there and wonder like what's going on, what happened, or like where is like did I do some like there. I've never had to live in that state of confusion with him, and that's just what it makes me feel comfortable and at ease. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm glad that when you went
1: on a double date with his friends, that they grilled you because when. You and he went on a double date with me and Ben. I totally was like, Jim, tell me everything about you. Start from the beginning. And he was like, Okay. <laughs> oh, he, was, he was happy to. He was happy to tell
0: you everything. So good. He always it starts goes from both the ways. very beginning. Jim was born in. <laughs>
1: Like perfect, a rainy Great. day. Is- <laughs> I was like, honestly, I love it. I could, I could
0: listen to this all night. <laughs> and I just sat there, shoving my face with food. <laughs> um, but anyway, orbiters, orbiters, get out of Nobody here. Nobody wants them. Okay, Riz, do you know what Riz is? No, I have no clue on that one. Okay, this is um, short for charisma. Um, and it's commonly used among members of Gen Z, which is not me. Uh, it <laughs> refers to somebody's ability to flirt with and attract potential love interest. Oh, so it'd be like she's got Riz. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you know, stop trying to make fetch happen. Just go with Riz. <laughs> um I'll <go> <laughs> situationship, you know what a uh, It's just sit- like you're
1: here, you're here, I'm here.
0: Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Friends with benefits, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then soft launching. Okay. This is the last one. Do you know what a soft launch is? Um, I, okay.
1: Just thinking it has something to do with like coming out as a couple, like you, like, is that no? Or is it yeah, something to do with
0: breaking up softly? Pretty much. No, no, no. <laughs> Killing me so. It's, um, Posting a discreet photo or video of your new partner on Instagram or other social media to announce your relationship while still hiding their identity. The idea oh. is that you don't want to post about them on your account too soon in case it doesn't work out.
1: Yeah. So you do like a back yeah. photo where it's like, obviously, this is you're with a, a person.
0: Yeah. Like you're, this isn't
1: just a friend, but you're not saying who it is. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. that a
0: lot. I did a couple of soft lunch. Yeah, you soft lunch. You soft lunch. soft lunch. Yeah. I was (laughs) like, this fucking guy. Yeah. (laughs) He might not be here tomorrow. (laughs) He's here today. (laughs) But he's here today. (laughs) He's so
1: tall. (laughs) He is. He's very tall. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I can't fit him in photos.
1: Just so you Um, know, Ben, when he ran into you guys the other day, he was like, I don't know if it's because Jen or Jim is so tall. He's like, but every time I see Jen, I'm just like, she's so tiny. And I was like, I will tell her.
0: (laughs) Thank you, I love it. Yeah, thank you for calling me tiny. And I, mm-hmm. I will say, I feel especially tiny next to a six-five giant. Yes. So yeah, yeah. That's everybody's first thing is like he's fucking huge, and I'm like, I know, <laughs> I, know I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> yeah. Only to make me feel really tiny. Yeah, and it, Yeah. That's so no, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I like them for. Mm-hmm. That and communication. That and communication. The yeah. That's tight. Yep. Communication. That's
1: it. <laughs> that's it. Um, so that's
0: it. That's my quickie for this. Week. I love it.
1: I've learned so much. You got Riz, girl. You got Riz. Um, Thanks, okay. man. You got Riz. Thanks. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a wild story? I am. Okay. So I got um, my information from two episodes of Dateline, from The Sun by Jennifer Roebach, from The Washington Post by Rees Shapiro from CNN by Rafael Romo, and from the LA Times by Patrick McDonald. On June 13th, 2007, 11-year-old Fernando Valesca was on a field trip from his school near San Miguel de Allende in Central Mexico. As he and his schoolmates settled in on the bus, they saw a large SUV speeding off up ahead. Brando thought it was strange, but what he couldn't know at the time was that that SUV was carrying kidnapping victims and that those victims were his parents, Jane
0: and Eduardo. Oh, my God.
1: Yes. So, okay. So Jane and Eduardo Velasca had met 15 years earlier at a supermarket in the D.C. suburbs, Jane grew up in the D.C. area and had worked as an actress since she was a child. She appeared in commercials and soap operas and even was in the movie Stella. That day that they met, she was 25 years old. She was at a payphone because it was 1992. And she just happened to lock eyes with a divorced art dealer named Eduardo Velasca. Eduardo was one of nine children of Jose Garcia Velasca, whose family had owned... Um, At one time, a Mexican newspaper empire. Um, Eduardo was 15 years older than Jane and had grown children. He had been living in the States for eight years, but was hoping to move home to Mexico soon. The two, after they locked eyes, they talked that day for over an hour and exchanged phone numbers. And then the very next night they had dinner together. They fell in love quickly, and three months later, in July of 1992, they were house shopping in the Mexican countryside. Wow. Eduardo's family money was gone by this point so he had grown up very wealthy and but the newspaper empire was completely gone but Jane said like she had fallen in love with the man not his money she described Eduardo as someone with laughter and passion and a huge enveloping personality the two got married in 1994 they made their living in real estate they bought a thousand acre desert ranch um, in central Mexico and when they bought it it was totally in ruins like li- like jane described it as like literally rebel. um and they put all of their money into fixing it up so eduardo rode horses jane started a cactus farm um they were had a comfortable nice life they sold and Redid real estate. Um, They raised their three children, Fernando, Emiliano, and Naya, um, and helped establish a Waldorf school in San Miguel. They actually donated land from their ranch for the building, and they just had this kind of like happy, idyllic life. But then on the morning of June 13th, 2007, Eduardo and Jane and their three children arrived at the country school, so not far from the ranch. They pulled over into a parking lot and Jane noticed that there was a small compact car in the far corner of the parking lot. And she noticed that there was a man at the wheel um, who had, he had on a fisherman's cap and glasses. And she thought it was kind of strange. This was a small town. They knew everyone, especially at the school. So this is a school they helped start. They knew all the children. They knew all the families. So Jane walked the children into their classrooms. She stopped at the school office and she actually asked the administrator if, she knew who the man was or if he needed help. Um, And the administrator looked over and was like, I don't know who he is. He must be waiting for someone. Um, So Jane walked to the Jeep. She actually made eye contact with the man. She smiled and he smiled back. And then as they pulled out of the parking lot, the car pulled out behind them. And then after a few minutes, an SUV pulled out too. And then all of a sudden the car's, the SUV and the car are like racing to get in front of Eduardo and Jane's Jeep. Eduardo turns to Jane and says, something is not right here. And that is when the SUV pulls in front of them and slams on its brakes. And Eduardo slams on his brakes so that they don't hit the SUV, but then the car, the small car hits them from behind.
0: So yeah,
1: before they even knew what was happening, two men jumped out of the SUV with clubs and hammers and guns, Um, And then before they could even react, the men were smashing their car windows and dragging Jane and Eduardo from their car. Jane said, it all seemed to happen at a fraction of a second. I heard breaking glass and the screams of my husband as someone cracked a pistol on his skull. The, these men want to kill us, I thought, and I tried to break free. As my captor and I struggled, we fell to the ground. I pushed and he pulled. At some point, I grabbed a, barb, a barbed wire fence that ran alongside the dirt road. The wire went straight through my finger bone, but I was too oh. – I know. Sorry. I was too pumped with adrenaline to feel the pain. Then the man pointed a gun between my eyes and said, get up. I looked oh past the barrel at the eyes hidden dark in the sunglass and said, please don't kill me. I have children.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So Jane was put into the SUV next to Eduardo. Their heads were covered with pillowcases. She said she could hear Eduardo panicking, and she said to him, God is all-powerful in Spanish. She said at the time, she said we weren't particularly religious, but she just said she wanted to, like, say something to him that was comforting to the, to him. And also she said if their captors were somehow – like, she's like, if I could somehow remind our captors of God or that, you know, that maybe they would spare them. They had their arms and legs duct taped. The SUV started driving again. Jane was like, I need to memorize the turns. So – but then suddenly the SUV stopped. And she could hear Eduardo being taken out of the car that she was in and put in another car. And then the men also got out of the SUV that she was in. um, And Jane realized she was alone. She pushed the pillowcase up over her eyes, and looked out as she could see Eduardo and the men from the SUV driving away. And she memorized the license plate. And then she was just there. All by herself, so she was duct taped to get you know, her oh arms like duct tape. She threw herself out of the SUV, she hopped to the highway. She said, No one was stopping because you know, they're just like, there is like scared, yeah, scared. Yeah, and she's like, We don't know, they don't know what's happening. So she said, She eventually jumped in front of a bus and made it stop. She said, No one had a cell phone, it was 2007, so she flagged down a cab. She said, Please, I need to use your radio to call the police. And she said, Um, everyone in Mexico knows that the local police are often corrupt, supplementing their pay with money from criminal activities. Perhaps it was my American upbringing, but it seemed completely logical to notify the authorities. So the police did come, they freed her and brought her back to the spot where the captors had left her. And there in the dirt was a note, um, that she hadn't noticed before. It said, Senora Jane, we have Eduardo go home and open the following email address with the following password. And Jane at the time said, chills ran through my body. No one ever spelled my name correctly with a Y. (gasps) And so she was like, I know that meant these people had done their homework. They had obviously like targeted us specifically. Wow. So when she got home, she realized that it's not like quite as simple as just calling the police about a kidnapping. She said, you know, this is somewhat um, common for people who are are seem to be rich or people who are thought to have money will be kidnapped, in, um, especially at that time in Mexico. And so she said she talked to kidnapping experts who all said this was a case for Mexico's federal police. She talked to U.S. officials from the FBI, but they said they could only help if their help was requested by the host country. Um, so she ended up calling Mexico's federal authorities and they sent an undercover negotiator to her house. She said that the negotiator arrived at their house by local bus and he was dressed like a 20 year old. She was like, what, who is this child? But she realized very quickly once he got there that he was actually much older than he looked and that they didn't want, if the kidnappers were watching, they just didn't want them to see that there was like a big police presence. So the negotiator, when he got there, he told Jane that she had to be ready for a long time. Kidnapping, Like her husband wasn't coming home tomorrow, even oh, if God. she paid the ransom. She said many – he told her many similar kidnappings lasted months. And she was like, I, I'm going to have to tell my children. They were 11, 7, and 6 at the time. Oh,
0: God. I know. Oh. And she said,
1: I explained to the two younger ones the concept of stealing daddies for money. Emiliano, my 7-year-old, ran upstairs and got his piggy bank. Just oh, like my the God. Most heartbreaking detail. Um, Her 11-year-old Fernando said later that looking at his mom was what frightened him the most. He said she just had this face. I can't describe it. It was terrible. It looked like a dead person. I was just so scared. And I put my bed and my brother's bed together and I slept with him. So it took five days, but she finally got an email from the kidnappers and they demanded $8 million. She said this was just so beyond anything they could afford. Their assets were all in the ranch and it was not worth anything near $8 million. Like it wasn't even worth a million dollars. She said they had like $20,000 in the bank and like that was all she could get a hold of. So she sent a message back saying like, we can't pay that. Um, And the kidnapper, like that answer enraged the kidnappers. So they indeed did have Eduardo still, he was still alive But they were keeping Eduardo in a a box and they were only feeding him just small amounts. And when they got Jane's reply, they brought him out, they beat and kicked him. And then they forced him to write a letter to Jane telling her what they had done to him. So she got an electronic scan of his letter that was like stained with blood.
0: In oh her my email God.
1: that just like described all of this torture, and that also that they had in the box, there were built in speakers that blared music nonstop to keep him awake. Oh, um, my God. And he was, you know, pleading with her to like save his life. And she said after that first letter, she started taking tranquilizers. She's like, I just couldn't deal with it. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So once a week, she started, she would get emails with threats. Um, from the kidnappers or a letter pleading from eduardo and she said each time she would respond um, say what she could pay and then and like each time they would say that's not enough so after about three months of this she was like completely falling apart obviously Um, the negotiator sat her down and basically was like look you need to pull the Together. Like, you need to start doing things like you normally did because he said this group is known for its long term kidnappings and that the previous victim had been held for 22 months.
0: Oh my God. So.
1: She said that that was kind of like a verbal slap on the face. Like she decided that the negotiator was right. She got angry. She knew she was being watched. And so she decided that from then on, she was not going to let the kidnappers see that they were getting to her. Um, She said, I decided not to be a shivering housewife anymore. I would go about my life. I would throw the kidnappers off their game. So she started doing things with her kids, going to like school functions, um, going out to lunch with friends just to like show them that she was, you know, that they were not
0: in in control of her own life. Yes.
1: She -hmm. said she actually moved boxes and bubble wrap furniture into a warehouse in hopes they would think that she was moving back to the U.S. and that they would like panic and let him go for like less money um, Yeah. as she's doing all this Eduardo's letters got more intense. Um, I mean, it's just like awful. The, the torture yeah. that he, I mean, it, it's, I could, you, there are plenty of descriptions of all of the torture that he suffered oh during this time, which I won't go into, but it's, it's super intense. He was like shot in the arm one day and then shot in his leg another day, like just horrible things. Um, He was injected with blood that they told him was HIV. And it it was a different blood type than his, which made him like very sick.
0: Oh God. Um,
1: And then when they weren't getting anywhere with the letters, like she kept saying, like, this is how much I can give you. I think she's asking everyone she knows, asking people to donate, like, she's going to every single person she can to like, try to raise this money. Um, And I think she could get near a million dollars. And that's what I think she was offering. Um, So she said that, like, after a while, the phone call started, and the negotiator had warned her that they would but they would call and it would be nasty and she would have to be on the phone. But she said, what I wasn't prepared for was to hear my husband's voice on the other end of the line. So he, when they first called, he was there and he was saying like, how is it possible? This is all you're done. You're going to let them kill me so you can keep my money. You're such a bitch. And she said, Even though the words hurt, she knew that they were scripted because he sounded like a machine. And so she just said, I love you with all my heart. And she could hear him start to cry. And he said, I love you too. And then the line went dead. So then finally, on January 4th, seven months after Eduardo, Eduardo had been taken, for no apparent reason, like nothing different had happened the kidnappers contacted Jane and said they were ready to exchange him for the money she had offered. She was. She got a proof of life photo of him holding that day's newspaper. And she was shocked by the man she saw in the picture. He was oh, God. emaciated and gray. She said it took 15 minutes of staring at the photo before she could confirm it was Eduardo.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So the negotiator was like, you can't go deliver the the ransom because they will just take you. <laughs> like, that's just not what you can't go. So two of their ranch um, employees volunteered to go, these two brothers. Um, and so they took a duffel bag filled with $100 bills that Jane had borrowed from family and friends and strangers and that she had sold everything she could. The ranchers went to a hotel to meet the kidnappers. The kidnappers took the money But Eduardo was not there. They ended up kidnapping one of the ranchers, too. But then the next day, January 24th, 2008, the kidnappers did free Eduardo. They dumped him at a cemetery at 4 a.m. And then he walked for the first time. Like, he had not walked in seven months. Oh, my God. And he walked... Like, he tried to stop cars for help, but everyone passed him by, no doubt thinking he was, like, a oh drunk. Oh, my God. Yeah. He had been given, like, a yellow and black lunchbox with an apple, a hard-boiled egg, and some change inside. And so he found his way to a bus stop and waited for the bus to come. Um, and later that day, he finally made it home. He was only 80 pounds at the time. Oh, my
0: God.
1: He was released. Um, and when Jane opened the door... She actually told the kid like she was like made the kids go in another room before they could. She didn't want to see him to see him. Um, And then so she said she put Eduardo and put clean clothes and his favorite cowboy hat and bandana. So he'd look a little bit more like himself when our kids saw him. Um, And then I went in and told our children, daddy's here. He doesn't look like he used to. He's very skinny, lost a lot of hair. She said that they came in and very carefully like embraced him. Oh yeah. He said that when he got, when he got home, he said, I love you. I've been dreaming about your banana pancakes for months. I'm months. I'm so hungry. So she said, she sat him down. She pulled out the bowl eggs and bananas. She reached for the phone and called the doctor and the psychologist um, and just told them that Eduardo was home. So the Mexican authorities were like, you need to leave the country um, because you just never know whether or not,
0: yeah, what's going to happen. Change yeah, their mind and come yes. back, yeah. Yeah.
1: So they bought within a month. They bought one-way tickets to the United States. Um, thankfully, the kidnappers released the rancher after two and a half months in captivity. Over the next four years, Jane and Eduardo spent their time advocating against police corruption and for stricter kidnapping laws in Mexico. Jane appeared on TV and was invited to the White House by Obama. She co-wrote a book about her experiences. In 2011, they returned to Mexico as a healthy family for the first time with Dateline to tell their story. Um, They said it was a traumatic and healing trip, but no one had ever been captured for Eduardo's kidnapping and being there, they were still in danger. They actually had to cut their trip short because um, they got reports that they were being watched while they were there. And then if this isn't already a hard enough story, um, tragically in May, 2012, Jane passed away from breast cancer. She had been sick a long time. She'd actually been a remission when Eduardo was kidnapped Um, So it was a long fight with breast cancer. Um, In the months before she died, she made all of these arrangements for her children. Like she purchased teddy bears and like had a voice message so that they could hear her voice. Um, and then months a few months after her death Eduardo found graduation chart cards that she chose for each child on their future graduation after she died at only at age 45 a lot of her friends organized the Jane Rager Fund at the Waldorf School in Washington DC to honor the passion Jane had for children's education so then to just wrap this up with a bow jeez um, In 2017, Eduardo was given the news that his abductors had finally been caught. Wow. Um, Yeah. So it turns out two Chilean ex-revolutionaries, Ricardo Palma Salamanaka and Raul Julio Escobar Poblite, and I'm definitely not saying those names correctly, but they were arrested and charged with multiple kidnappings similar to those of Eduardo. When he was arrested, Ricardo made a phone call and was overheard saying, clear the box. Eduardo has said that the events obviously have changed him forever. He said, I always knew love was important, but never as important as I know now. So you learn it changes your life forever, for sure.
0: Wow. That's
1: the story. It's oh, brutal. God.
0: <laughs> yeah, you gave me shit for my story a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I was
1: like, oh, there's no murder.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's awful. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, they never are good stories, you know. They're never good stories. If they're not. Yeah, there you go. Luckily, I have a little happy one we can end on. You do? Are you going to take us to Happy Town? I have a nice happy love story with like not a lot, not anything too crazy in it. It's just pretty. Pretty apple pie. Oh, I love apple pie. Goes down real smooth. Okay. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So my love story this week came from an article for BBC.com written by Jim Scott. Okay. Um, So Kate Pym from... Goiesborough. This is in the UK. Okay. Um, and Gunther Baer from Germany were just 17 and 23 years old when they met while they were both visiting Devon in 1989. Okay. Um, so they met and they wrote love letters to each other back and forth for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they eventually ended up losing contact and they went on to lead completely different lives. Um, and they both got married and both of their ma- marriages ended in divorce, but then like um, by a chance discovery of their letters that they had written to each other, it ended up leading them back to each other again. Okay. So, yeah. So Leslie. Kate had been visiting the Southwest, um, which I'm assuming is in the UK, <laughs> <laughs> uh, along along with her mum. Uh, her <laughs> mom and best friend in 1989. Um, she says that she remembers her uh, – so Kate, who is now 50 years old, says that she remembers meeting Gunther and said, I remember my – she said, I remember me and my mom went to uh, – for a bite to eat in this beautiful village. We walked into this bar and I saw this gorgeous guy. So Gunther is now 57, um, had actually went to England because he wanted to improve his like English-speaking skills. Yeah. Um, so she said that he, she thought that he looked like, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, but, uh, Mag Furu from the 1980s band, AHA, the guy from AHA. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. she said that she like struck up a conversation with him and he really does. I'll like post pictures. He does look like the guy from AHA. And, yeah. Uh, she said we were and that's chatting. that's pretty bold to like be chatting someone up while you're with your mom. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Especially because she was 17. Yeah. Right. So, um. <laughs> She said, we got chatting and hit it off, but we only had a day and a half before we were headed back to our homes. Mm -hmm. So they only knew each other for like, or in like had met each other for like a day and a half. So they exchanged their addresses and they kept their relationship going for two years just through letters. Yeah. Letters only. And and some expensive phone calls, it says. Right. um, And uh, the occasional visit. Um, But Kate decided that the long distance thing was too much for them. It was too hard to sustain. And so they ended up breaking up in 1991. She said, it got to be so difficult. It was heartbreaking. We both loved each other, but unfortunately it was me that called time. I just can't see a way to make this work. Yeah. Um, So they kept writing each other letters up until 1993, but then like their contact just kind of fizzled out. Um, Gunther got married and ended up having three children. And Kate set up her own makeup business. Um, she was also married and then later divorced. But then in nineteen uh, in, in November of 2020, um, in the midst of the COVID lockdown, um, Kate was actually up um, searching for Christmas decorations when she ended up finding her collection of letters that she had saved between oh. the two of them. So she yeah. was not a cobwebber. No, <laughs> she kept the cobwebs. She said she held, um, kept hold of every single one. Maybe this is a lesson for me to learn. Maybe I shouldn't just get rid of everything. Yeah. Maybe it, you never know what could happen in the future. Anyway, so she got out the letters and uh, walked to her bedroom and then she put them all in date order and read through them from front to back. Yeah. Um, so she said it was a really emotional weekend and it brought back memories. And so for the next few weeks, like Kate spent every day thinking about him. Yeah. And, um. But what she didn't know is that he had spent the last eight years thinking about her. No so, way. Yeah. So Kate had decided to find his address and wrote to him, but admitted it took a while to find him because he's not on social media. Hmm. Um, and then Gunther said, the day I received her letter, I was gobsmacked. The moment I got the letter, I had to pick up my phone and call her. I was really surprised and delighted. So they ended up meeting up in January of 2021. Um, and they spoke every single day since that first phone call that um, when she called him, she said it, it was that that day was at 1236. On um, November twenty second is the day that they started talking again, and she said, oh. "I just loved him. It was so odd. It was just so organic, and I just wanted to tell him that I loved him." And then they ended up getting married <gasps> in uh, Bavaria, 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 world, Bavaria, mm-hmm. in, um, <laughs> in uh, December of twenty twenty one. And uh, this week, that yeah. this article was written just a few weeks ago, um, she uh, Kate. Uh, told BBC.com that she was preparing to leave Teesside where she lived currently behind to start her life with Gunther in Germany. So she's moving to Germany. And he Hmm. said, "Um, I have to say, I can't be more grateful that she did what she did to write me a letter. See, communication. Always. Communication. It always works. Yeah. And um, she said, part of you thinks you've waited 31 years, but- also, there was a lot of adventures in that time. We both had our own lives. Gunther had three children. I had a great business. Mm-hmm. Um, she said it's been difficult, but when it's right, it's right, and I know it's right. Oh, so, there you go. They're happily back together.
1: I love that. I'm always yeah. just so. I mean, I've said this probably ten times on this podcast, but it's so fascinating to me that like people who knew each other like as teenagers at how they can instantly reconnect in their like 50s or 80s. And I just am like, I just, I'm like, I can't even remember myself at that age really. So it's just hard to think of like, like coming back around to someone and feeling like that in love. And they always get married so quickly and are like, we remember the love and it was there the whole time. And uh, it's just so fascinating to me.
0: It is really crazy. And I think that there's something to be said for the fact, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, teenagers are just so stupid. You don't know what you want. And you mm-hmm. don't know, like, what's going to happen? And, like, you know, you have a whole life to live. But I think yeah. that when you're young, you're you're honest and you're raw and you say what you mean and you mean what you say. And you also develop with each other, you know? So it's like they spent four formative years yeah. together. And yeah. those, I'm sure those were really, you know – special times especially if they were writing letters to each other they were probably very like yeah confessional and and leaned on each other and told each other you know their true thoughts and feelings and you know so i think that there is some like real bonding that can happen there i think it's when when we become adults that we are so jaded and mm. so like guarded and uh you know there are people that play the game or mm. what or play a game and it's all like maneuvers and what so it's like I think that like you know real love comes from when you are vulnerable I there did you watch the show shrinking it's so good
1: no I have um, not watched it yet but oh I got it so good you recommended it and my sister-in-law Melissa like recommend it. I mean a lot of people have said like yeah oh, and I keep meaning to watch it I just haven't yeah yet.
0: there's this part where Harrison Ford I don't want to give a lot of way but he like was in a state of mind, and he um an altered state of mind, and he uh. like gave a piece of advice that was actually like very clear, shocking, great advice for two people that was about to get married. And yeah. he said, "Always stay vulnerable with each other. Mm. It's like the moment you lose the vulnerability is the moment you lose each other. Yeah, and you can't come back from it. Mm. And I thought that that was so important. And I because I think it's true. I think it's yeah. about being vulnerable with each other. And I think that younger people are. Maybe you know, especially like high schoolers or that high school love. Maybe Mm -hmm. people just are more vulnerable with each other. Yeah, as adults, we learn to build walls, and I think that's when you just don't really connect. You know?
1: Yeah, just saying. Just saying. (laughs) I think that's beautiful, and I think um, I, I think also there's probably something really beautiful and nice about reconnecting with someone who knew you when you were full of possibilities. Do you right. know what I mean? It's like it's as yeah. you get older, your life does become more narrow and more focused and um – you know, there is always just something like really refreshing of like reconnecting with someone who knew you when you were just, you know, like in that like knew you when you were a young person and that you had dreams and all of these things. And like, um yeah, that's why like those friendships you make at that age are just like so strong that you can like always go back to those
0: friendships. You're not only coming back to the relationship, but you're coming back to yourself. Yeah, and who you were at your like most truest form before. Oh, my God. Everybody go find your high school
1: love. <laughs> let's all, yeah. Let's all reconnect.
0: <laughs> no, I don't want my high school love. <laughs> no. Oh, um, same, no. same, same. No, no. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, but yeah, like I think, you find your high school best friends. How about that? Oh, well, I'm that? still very good friends. with. I just saw my best friends the other night. Yep. Um, But... Okay, so yeah, that's my story. Should we get into something dumb and something we love? Yes, we should. Okay, let's do it.
1: Okay, um, so let's see. My something dumb this week is, oh, just like I'm just so tired, Jen. So tired. So I know you've been so busy. I've been just like going, and I really, honestly, at the. One of my goals for this year was to not overextend myself because I just really did last year. And even though it was like four great goals and I was really doing stuff that I wanted to do, I really spent a lot of time feeling like exhausted and stressed. And I just wanted to go into this year not doing that. And then it's like all I've done. And so I'm just hoping to reestablish, uh, that now And re I'm restating that goal. I'm just going to try to do less,
0: (laughs) just do less,
1: but more intentional, like do be more intentional about the things that I'm choosing to do with my time and what I'm spending my energy on. Um, but the thing that I love is, um, I just, I love that I was able to, um, I met so many just amazing students and staff and faculty when I was at Purdue. And um, if any of them listening, I just want to say what a wonderful experience it was really like, really in, in this is like very truly. And honestly, like it was really just such an honor to like get to know them and see what kind of things they're doing. And they just all have such bright futures. And I, um, and I hope to see – I met a lot of, like, kids that want to be comedians and got Aww. to go to a comedy show and see all these baby comedians perform, and it was really cool to just be around that kind of energy of people who are mm-hmm. just, like, figuring their lives out. I mean, not that I have it figured out, but just, like, um, it really, like, brought me back to that time in my life. So um so that's, anyway, cool. so that's what I
0: love. Awesome. Yeah, we got? Uh, for my something, dev, I'm going to try to keep it as brief as I can so as not to get emotional. And it's like the 10,000th fucking time mm-hmm. we've had to speak about this in our podcast. And it is completely infuriating every time there is a school shooting. As you guys know, on March 27th, when there was a shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee, and children were murdered. And, and so we're, um, teachers and it's, Mm -hmm. it's just like, I, I can't even stomach it anymore. I can't even like, I just cannot believe that something has still not been done. I cannot believe that we've had this podcast for three years and we've probably done about fucking 15, Mm -hmm. um, something dumbs of, of school shootings and could have done so many more. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We could be and, doing this
1: every week. like,
0: it's- and, and it's home for me. My family was affected by the Parkland shooting. My cousins were in it. And um, it. Uh, I, I mean, I really just can't even I, – I don't even know what else to say anymore. Yeah. Except for like what the fuck is wrong with this country. Truly what the fuck is wrong with this country. And why are we focusing on hating on trans people and drag queens When we're not even putting any energy into people that are like AR-15s, why people, why children can access them and why people with mental health problems can access them and why they're so accessible. It just makes no fucking sense. And I just want to rip my hair out. I don't Mm -hmm. know what else to say. Um, And for something I love, um, God, I can't even like – like it's so hard for me to even – I mean I guess mom's on demand um you know and different organizations that are um are trying to do something about it and working so hard to change gun laws um I love those people so sorry yeah. to end it on this this kind of note I mean it it is the second world we're living in yep. yeah yeah um
1: Well, yeah. Um, Let's think of a
0: TV show I like. Uh, Have you seen uh, Rain Rain Dogs on HBO Max? Is really good. Have you seen it? I have not seen that. I like it a lot. Seen it.
1: Um, I did watch an entire season of The Great Pottery Throwdown, and that made me really happy and um and feel good. And just it was a nice like escape from all of the uh, shittiness around uh, the world. So okay, well. That's our episode um, so you know, if you can donate to every town or Moms demand or any local organization or you know uh, contact your poli- your local, Politicians, <laughs> politician, local politicians, um, yeah. and demand change. I think that's uh, yes. all the things. Um, you guys know what to do. Um, okay, that's our episode. Yeah. You can contact us anywhere um, at Dumb Love Podcast um, on all the social media. You can email us at dumblovepod at gmail.com. You could rate and review, you could tell a friend. We would love that.
0: We would love all of that. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening and for coming back every week. We dumb love you so much. And don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love.